What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Do you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Takes one, stakes twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nibania, Bielitsa. It's way deserved this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Falls Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, and I'm glad to see our favorite long-necked friend here, Tim Maxwell, the Sacktown Baby Giraffe, has joined us. How are you doing tonight, Tim? You know, I'm feeling thankful, and I'm thankful because I did not watch the Clippers uh, Mavericks game tonight. I have a family, so I'm feeling thankful. I'm just going to yeah, uh, sad to watch for sure. And, uh, you know, Tim, we haven't had you on to get your take on a little bit of the GM situation. Does Vlade being out the door give you a little bit of optimism? Are you skeptical with Perry's name being thrown out there that we kind of dove into in the last episode? How you feel about the GM situation going on currently? I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, um, the Kings have an opportunity, as they always do, to make a big move and get things right or make a big move and get things wrong. They tend to trend the latter more than the former. But, you know, I guess two of the encouraging things for me is they're hiring a firm that has a very good reputation. And then, um, ironically, Vivek's couple of decisions that he's made in his tenure, a couple of them have actually been pretty good between uh, Mike Malone and the rumors that Dave Yeager wasn't necessarily Body Devox's first choice. So um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think the Kings want to really get it right, and that gives me more hope than anything else. But I am with you guys that I have zero, less than zero excitement over Scott Perry for sure. Yeah. How how excited are you to talk about potential Buddy Heald trades tonight? I'm pumped. You guys know I love the trade machine. Everyone loves the trade machine. Um, Rich put out some trades. I have a couple ideas. Um, we're going to throw out some crazy ones, I think, tonight, and we'll see how people feel about those. Are, are you excited, Brendan? Yeah, looking forward to it. Rich, you want to kind of lead this one a little bit? Like Tim said there, you just put out a piece for the B that laid down five hypotheticals here, and I think we could kind of start with walking through those a little bit. Yeah, I can kick this off. Um, I think it's worthwhile to do an episode on these. Uh, actually, it was your idea, Brendan, to do an episode, but and I was only on board once we got Tim 
the trade machine Maxwell in here. Uh, but yeah, like this in this piece, I, it was really just kind of kind of speculating on uh, two articles that Jason Anderson had written. One about a potential unhappiness from Buddy based on some quotes when you know he uh, was asked by Anderson if he would be comfortable with his role with the team going into next season. He said, "Y'all know me." Y'all know how I talk. Y'all know how I feel. Y'all can read me well, so I'll let you answer that question. And uh, I was watching the Zoom. I was in the Zoom at the time. And if 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 when he's saying y'all, if he's referring to me as one of the y'all, uh, then I would answer that question by saying no. He's not comfortable at all. Um, his body language was very poor. Uh, he looked very upset. And um, anyway, so that paired with the speculation from an unnamed league source that Anderson had spoke to, not league source, I'm sorry, league executive. I have no idea what executive this was, but that executive said he thinks that the Kings will try to trade Heald sooner than later. Um, so you can combine those two things to think, you know, there's a legitimate possibility Heald could be on his way out the door. Um, does that feel about right to you guys? It does. I mean, I think that, you know, we've mentioned it a couple times that there is a little bit of an overlap with Heald and Bogdanovich, and as much as, you know, maybe we want to see that pairing play together, they seem hesitant to do that. And, you know, they are a little bit repetitive. I, I kind of see that there. And obviously Heald's situation with Walton and being misutilized, and I think you pointed out in your piece he only averaged like something around 20 minutes in the bubble, which is just absolutely ridiculous for a guy that's your leading scorer. Uh, not most recent season, but the year before. And, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, you get a bad feel with Heald on this team, and it wouldn't surprise me to uh, see him walking out the door and hopefully getting uh, something in return this this offseason. Um, kind of not all too shocked by that, Tim. Yeah, same here. Um, I can put it kind of plainly and simply. If Luke Walton isn't gone next year, like this, this summer or this fall, I should say, he's not gone by the start of next year. I think Buddy Hield will absolutely request a trade, and frankly, I can't blame him. You mentioned it, Brendan. He was misused all year, uh, miscast, and then punished for that miscasting. And, and Buddy's not um, absolved of all guilt or all um, responsibility by any means. But when you have a guy who's a shooter and you use him as an initiator, and then you use him as a defender when he's one of the league's worst defenders, the results aren't going to go going to go well for you, and, and the player's not going to be happy, and he's not happy. So. I'm very much with both of you that I think Heald is gone this summer or this fall. I keep I'm gonna keep saying this summer all this podcast I mean this fall. Yeah, absolutely. This is so confusing. I um yeah, do you think I mean we let's I guess we can talk big picture, but and I was gonna get into whether you would be comfortable trading him before the next GM is in place, but that's kind of that kind of would destroy our, our whole the fun we're gonna have because we're the, the trade discussions we're going to have aren't based on any, in particular, like any GM candidate. It wouldn't necessarily be affected by any GM candidate, but we can start off with the big picture question of, you know, I'll ask you, Brendan, what is like the general th- uh, goal you want to accomplish with a healed trade in terms of short term, long term, all that stuff? I think it's got to be that you you got to get younger. I think a lot of the soft, uh, off season and just moving forward, like you need to get on De'Aaron Fox's timeline, and that also fits the Bagley timeline. But I think 
without speaking for all of us, I mean, I'm very skeptical of Bagley being a long-term building block at this point. Um, but I think you got to get on the De'Aaron Fox timeline. You know, he's one of your – I mean, he's the cornerstone of this team. He's 22, and then you're looking at Buddy Hilda Bogdanovich, who are 27, Harrison Barnes up there as well, Kojo. Most of these players are older, and I think that this is a little bit of an opportunity to – to retool here and get younger. So whether that's in the form of a draft pick or a player that a team, uh, maybe they have a little bit of overlap positionally that you can take advantage of and look for a younger guy. But I'm definitely, definitely looking to get on the timeline of De'Aaron Fox better than than Buddy Heald fits that. What are you looking to get back for Heald in a hypothetical trade, Tim? Same here. Um, the word I keep using is reset. I think we need to reset around your inbox, similar to what you said. Um, the Kings are about to be old, bad, and expensive. And those are like the three worst descriptors you can use for an NBA team. Like you, like you mentioned, everyone's either in their prime or out of their prime. There's not a whole lot going on there. Um, and I, I think the 2018-2019 season kind of fooled us all a little bit, not only because we had eventually dismissed Dave Aker, but we kept telling ourselves we got the ninth seed. But we were closer to the 14th seed than the 8th seed. We were a full nine wins below the 8th seed. So, I mean, that's a massive gap. So between, you know, players not necessarily developing or Marvin Bagley being injured, the vets not stepping up and playing well, um, we need to shed contracts. We need to shed money. Um, and then, like I said, not not a full rebuild, but we need to reset around De'Aaron Fox. Get guys who are younger. You mentioned it, Brandon get young players or draft picks or both, whether that's for Buddy Heald or multiple other players that could be dealt this offseason and, and up to the next trade deadline as well. But I agree, we need to reset that around here in Fox. Are you with us, Rich? Yeah, I definitely am. It is crazy how not young this team is. It's not necessarily like super old or super ancient, but it's crazy how not young it is for a super team, just young situation. Like, it's crazy that it's it's really just Fox and and Bagley, like it's that's really it though. And Bagley didn't play for the majority of the year. Th- this year it was really just Fox, and then that's why Hurts Giles is walking. Well, it, that's what I was just gonna say. What's nuts is like I was gonna ask you guys who's the who was the second youngest player on the roster this this season, including all the rookies, including all the two ways. I did just have this list up, so I'll let Tim answer this one. I'm gonna guess it's Giles because yeah. he mentioned yeah. Yeah, it's Harry Giles. Harry Giles was the youngest player, not named Darren Fox, on this entire team, including rookies. In his, you know, he's in his third year, um, and yeah, they, you know, the team decided to decline his option. So, I mean, that was baffling to me. He's younger than Marvin Bagley, so it's just, it's 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 really confusing. Like Daquan Jeffries, were relatively excited about, not under contract yet. For next season, um, but older than older than those guys, uh, closer but older, and, and there's no guarantee that he's going to be set in place going forward. By the way, I am seeing that Bagley is is younger than Giles here. I think oh, I'm sorry, I had that flipped. Yeah, you were Fox is the youngest, but it's Bagley. Yeah, you're right. I, it, the youngest player not named Bagley is Giles. I'm sorry, and then Fox is about a year older than Giles. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, you're right there. Okay, sorry I had, to interrupt you. No, no, you're. Thank you. I had Fox and Bagley's ages flipped in my head, but second youngest player on the team still, and option decline. Yeah, and uh, again, I mean, for where we've identified the goal being getting younger, uh, that's 
you know, some upside in a young player. They, you're just letting walk out the door and getting absolutely nothing in return. There was really not much cost in extending him that contract. There wasn't much logic behind it either, and in my opinion. Um, yeah, you just you just got to feel terrible about that one. I think we've, I, I don't know, we've kind of pointed out that one enough here. Um, what else What else do we feel like you need to touch on? Like, I, I, I'll say that I really value, as much as I think that this draft, while it's weak at the top, like, there could be some, you know, wouldn't surprise me the best player came in the teens or something like that. Um, and there's, like, decent depth to it. There's guys that somewhat interest me towards the middle of the first round, but there's a lot more value, obviously, in the next upcoming draft, um, particularly at the top. I don't think that Buddy Hield's getting you uh, that level of player or anything. And I think the other thing we consider here is, I mean, it sucks that this is the time you're moving Hield when it really feels like an all-time low for his value, right? Like, how much do you think that teams are looking at him and just aware that he was misutilized, so maybe that still keeps some of the value, but it's got to be hurting after this, like, subpar performance, mainly I would point due to the coaching, right, Tim? Agreed. Um, I, I don't think his value is terrible. Like, his contract isn't great. I think when he's used correctly, his contract is okay. Like, his contract is probably neutral value when he's used properly. I don't think he has a great contract. I don't think his contract is terrible either. Although with the cap drop and all that mess, you couldn't have predicted that when you signed him to the contract. He's a near-max rookie-scale player next year, assuming the cap drops relatively dramatically. Uh, but his contract is declining, so I agree that some of his value definitely decreased this year, both due to the contract and then, of course, Luke Walton's usage. And, and Buddy Heald's poor play as well. We can't just take his responsibility away. Um, but I think he's still got value, and I think teams are going to look at him as, hey, he's probably the third-best volume three-point shooter in the NBA, one of the best volume three-point shooters in NBA history. He can knock down shots if I just use him as a J.J. Redick, if he allows himself to be used as a J.J. Redick or a Clay Thompson or whatever other role you want to assign him. He can be an elite shooting guard. He can be a top-ten shooting guard. We just got to get him in the mindset to do that. And if the right team with the right coach trades for him, um, he's going to have a lot of value for that team, probably more value than the Kings are going to receive back. Um, are you in agreement, Rich? I am and I'm not. I, I think, like, in theory what you're saying I agree with, I, but I, the more that I've looked at the contract, the more that I think it's just a definite negative. Um, like with the Sacramento tax, it doesn't feel like a disaster. And before this year, when things were going really well, he was playing really well, it didn't feel like a bad deal at all. Consider, but again, like that's considering the Sacramento tax. Um, but when you think about, when you think about the other players that are out there that do what he does, they're all paid less, I feel like, and they're not locked in for as long, um, even guys that are younger. So, And I, I can bring up some of those names. Yeah, what players do you think of there? So Malik Beasley, right? Um, he's one guy that you can look at as a restricted free agent this season. I'm going to pull up his numbers. but And we may not think of him as the necessarily the ace that Buddy Heald is, but... I mean, he attempted this season 8.2 three-pointers a game, hit 42.6%. Um, and he could be got for, you know, arguably, I mean, especially with the COVID stuff going on, uh, maybe you get him for half the price you got, buddy, maybe three quarters, but, you know, definitely cheaper, I would say. You don't have to give Malik Beasley $86 million 
with with incentives, and he's shooting 42.6% on 8.2 attempts a game. Another guy, Joe Harris. Um, I'm going to just pull up his numbers real quick. Also, I believe a restricted, maybe unrestricted, actually. Yeah, probably unrestricted free agent. Um, 42.4% on six attempts per game. You know, not quite the buddy volume, but we know Joe Harris is a very, very good shooter. One other guy to bring up, not a free agent, but definitely an available trade piece, is Luke Kennard. 6.5 attempts a game, 40% from three. Like, I think that you could pursue those guys for a better deal than healed. I would say it's better value, but I don't think – like, I think Heald is very clearly a better player than those guys. Like, I think you might be undervaluing his creation off the dribble just for himself. He doesn't do it for other people. But I think he genuinely is really good at shooting just, you know, in a drop uh, – against the drop coverage off a of pick and roll or things like that. I think he actually can create a shot for himself, which has some value. But I would agree with you that, you know, if you can get a Beasley for half the price – Beasley's better than half the player of Buddy Heald. So I get what you're saying there, but, like, I do think Buddy's clearly, uh, like, a good step better than those guys, but contractually and the value there, I I totally see where you're coming from there. I think, too, Rich, to your point, um, I wouldn't say the contract is necessarily bad in and of itself in a vacuum, kind of what we described, but you're probably taking a not-great-to-bad contract back because, especially if you're looking for trade trade assets, or excuse me, draft assets or young players, right? They're not going to make anything. So Buddy Heald's contract, because it's so high and the COVID situation is going to destroy a lot of teams' financials, you're probably taking back a bad contract in most of these cases just because that's how you make the money work. So I agree with you there in that the contract in and of itself, vacuum, maybe not so bad. In a trade scenario, it is going to hurt you a little bit because you do have to take a large chunk of money back, and usually the way you do that is by taking back a bad contract. Well, and just this is kind of from a perspective of teams that might have cap space. So teams like the Hawks, the Knicks, the Pistons, you know, that we could say, okay, well, you know, they could use a talent infusion. Um, I just think there could be better options. And I do – I actually do disagree with you uh, on that point, Brendan, where I don't – I'm not convinced that Buddy Heald is – a better player or a better asset than, than, than Beasley, for example, like, you know, we can, you can talk about, I mean, he's, Malik Beasley has been a knockdown shooter. Yeah. He's probably doing a little more catch and shoot than creation for himself, but he's also not really been put in that position. And it's not been proven that when he's put in a position to create for himself, that he fails. So like, you know what I mean? Like that guy's, that's not like a good thing sometimes. Um, you know, you put like you know, you put Buddy Hield in a position where he has to create for himself, and we've seen what happens. Um, I understand that a better coach could, in theory, do a better job, but also you got to remember that Beasley's 23 and Buddy Hield is 28. So I'm not looking at Buddy Hield compared to those guys and being like, he is so much clearly a better option than them that it makes up for the contract. That's fair enough, and, and I totally see what you're saying. Those other teams, like, I'd probably rather have Beasley than Heald, also considering the contract, everything there. And I think that kind of leads to, um, from other teams' point of views, which which teams, what type of teams to you, when you were going through this exercise, Rich, did you feel like would be the ones interested in Heald? Like, to me, it's probably young. Hmm, is it young teams? Because, like, Heald's not that young himself. It can't be young teams, right? I mean – 
that I, I can understand why maybe a young team might be interested, but it's it's teams that are capped out. Like for that exact reason of these free agents that are available, especially in a depressed free agent market where with COVID, like no one's really getting huge, going to be getting huge deals. If because if Buddy Hield were available right now, he'd be getting less than he got last summer. So it's a team that I think is capped out. So and a team that's competing right now. So you look at especially the ones that have been swept out of the playoffs or could be swept out tomorrow. Philadelphia is the one that Tim has brought up a lot, and I don't buy the Celtics. Am right? Uh huh. Okay. Save well, it for save it for Celtics. Pulse. Well, what happened? Um. So like Philadelphia is obviously one. I think they check every box. They want to win now. Not that they're old, but they are locked in, right? Financially, super locked in. Um. And then Indiana is another team that. Not super old, but they're over the cap, and they are down, you know, three games to nothing. So those would be teams that maybe, A, want to change and can't go out and try to make a competitive offer for a restricted free agent. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 35% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun, T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com slash bluewire but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Definitely that, that makes sense to me. And then, um, you know, I guess potential teams that feel like, what are we going to do with all this cap space we have? But as you pointed out, I, I would agree with you. I think there's better ways for them to utilize that. Um, Tim, do you feel like there's any other things we should point out here before we just kind of hype it, uh, jump into some of the hypotheticals we have? No, nope. I think Buddy's going to a contender or a wannabe contender. He's not going to anyone young, and most of the teams with cap space are young and non-contenders. So I, I don't really have, I don't really foresee him going into cap space anywhere. Yeah, like you said, Brendan, like maybe, and we've talked about Atlanta, and like maybe if a team just has so much cap space they don't know what to do with it, but Again, like, I, that probably is a mistake because you could – if you were just more patient, you could probably do better with it. Yeah, totally. And do we want to just kind of start with some of the ones that you laid out in your piece here, Rich, and let you lead the way with that? Yeah, I'll start with the one I have set up for Philly, and I think that Tim has a separate one for Philly, so we could just start with the Sixers and stay there for a minute. Um, one option would be – Buddy Heald and Jabari Parker for matching reasons for Tobias Harris. Thoughts on that one, Brendan? And then uh, we can get Tim's 
Sixers one as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that obviously stands out is Harris being on the books until 23-24 with upwards of $30 million in all those. And, you know, again, I mean, that's just kind of what's happening since Heald's contract is looked at as probably a negative in this one as well. Um, so while I do see the idea of, you know, Harris being a decent fit on this team, I hate Harris's contract and it goes against my idea of like I really just would want to get younger with this roster um I feel like this is a little bit it's an improvement but it's not enough to get you into the playoffs so this kind of feels like a lateral move to me almost in a way what do you think of that one Tim yeah this feels like to me a trade Roddy Divox would have made right like win now um who cares about the money right we're just gonna we're gonna beat um I don't like the trade like I liked the trade Maybe before the bubble performance, maybe that's a little bit too hot takey, but we were so terrible in the bubble and no one looked good and the team just really fell apart and no one played well except for De'Aaron Fox. So um, Tobias Harris, he's a talented, like low level to almost all-star in the East, probably not an all-star in the West. Combo forward, he's going to put up numbers, but he's not going to necessarily raise the ceiling of this team that much higher for the cost, um, to your point, Brendan. And then... um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we could trade for Tobias Harris. We probably win three or four more games. So we're 38-39 win team. We get that ninth or tenth seed, and then we're locked into this core even longer. So definitely something I would want to avoid. Um, and to Rich's point earlier, just about to dive into my uh, Philly option as well, is, you know, Philly has, according to Bobby Marks, he tweeted about this, I think, earlier today, Philly has the second highest payroll in league history next year at around $200 million, and they just got swept in the first round. So they've got to shed salary. So if they're not shedding Tobias Harris, um, the other one they can shed is Al Horford, who does not fit their team at all, and I don't understand why Philly gave him that contract this last offseason. Elton Brand is pretty terrible at his job. So my proposal was very similar to Rich's as far as who's going out was Buddy Heald and Jabari Parker, and then returning is Al Horford, uh, Zaire Smith, the 2020 OKC first rounder, which I believe is the 21st overall pick this year, and then a 2022 Philly first rounder that would have light protections. Um, that just it gives Philly a shooter, which they desperately do around Simmons and Embiid. Um, the contracts are about even, although Heald will make a little bit more in the final season. Uh, but it just gives Philly talent increase, um, whereas it's not necessarily decreasing their salary whole time. Is that does that feel realistic to you, Rich, or am I being too greedy with those two first rounders? You said two first rounders. Yep. Can you uh, just give me the picks again? Yep. Twenty twenty. Okay. See, first round, twenty first overall this year, and then a twenty twenty two Philly first rounder. I have a top five protected, but I would let them protect that more if they really wanted to. Yeah, I I don't think that second first rounder is really realistic. Um, certainly not top five. Like, if, I mean, if we're going full lottery protection, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, my my theory sure. behind that, yeah, was I mean, Al Horford has like probably like the third or fourth worst contract in the league right now. He's owed three years, sixty nine million, and he's he's just not effective anymore. I mean, he's okay, but for the for the prices and for the desperation that Philly's in right now, they have to get better next year. If they didn't give me the second first rounder, I would probably let them get away with like a pair of second rounders or something like that. But that would at least be my ask. And I, I want to say as well, um, they're not giving up Matisse at all. For those people that are asking for Matisse, that's just not happening in this trade. Yeah, Matisse is, is the obvious piece that people would kind of eye. Um, 
But, yeah, no, I, I think a second is probably too much, but you have a good point. You kind of keyed on the desperation of the Sixers, especially, you know, they, they say they keep Elton Brand around. And, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you have, like you mentioned, a extremely high payroll going into next season, and you really need to win now, even though you have a little bit of a – somewhat young core and Embiid Simmons. So if you could take advantage of desperation, like this is sort of a way to do that. And obviously a very big need for shooting healed, clearly filling that. So I guess I, I I like it better than the Harris one because you're getting the shots in the draft. But I do think that, you know, maybe it's a first and a second rounder you're talking or something like, you know, maybe those two seconds. Um, But Again, yeah, and like Horford, when he was a bit younger and not uh, not moving terribly out there, was uh, in hypothetical really good Bagley fit, you know. And I don't know how much that you build around Bagley again now. So like I guess I don't hate that there, but yeah, like you mentioned, 34 now and on the books till 22, 23 with upwards of 25 million on that deal. Um, I'd say I'd like it better than the Harris one. Um, if it's two sec, two first-rounders, I'm feeling pretty good about that. But I struggle to get around the idea of Philly Philly doing that unless they really are just overly desperate, which, I mean, like you pointed out, Elton Brand hasn't been uh, the greatest GM. Yeah, I kind of hate both of these trades for them, honestly. It, like, I think what's what's what makes sense about Philly as a trade partner are things that the Kings the Kings would do, but I don't necessarily think that we would want them to do. Um, like like the Harris one to talk about first, I feel like the Kings would jump at a guy that they just don't have a chance to really sign in free agency. Like even though he's not an all-star, he's kind of borderline and could be you know, potentially given the right workload. Like, I could see the Kings being like, look, we can snap him up. We can get an all-star appearance out of this. He's going to take so many more shots here, whatever, whatever. Um, I, they probably wanted him in free agency before. Like, it's just the, the type of guy that they would want. And then I could also see them liking Horford. Um, like, thinking, yeah, it's a terrible contract, but if we can get the right assets – we would take him because we actually think he would be really good for us. Uh, like he would be – like we think that the league is undervaluing him, and I just think both of those ideas are Kingsy, but like fundamentally flawed. Yeah, the Horford thing, I mean, Horford just fell off a cliff so hard this year and even his last year in Boston. Like just the movement of him uh, definitely – Definitely regressed there, and Philadelphia did misproperly utilize them defensively, but I don't know how much faith I have in uh, Sacramento to do that. And, yeah, extremely old guy. Like, I guess there's a little bit of a veteran presence that you kind of like that, you know, Barnes gives you, but that's not that's not enough. So um, there's definitely other ones that you mentioned in your piece that I like I like better than these. Yeah, let's jump to another team here. If you're good with that, Tim. Um, I think this is a team that you brought up first. I, I actually touched base with you before I published this one because I wanted to make sure this wasn't your your IP, your intellectual property. But I know that we both have been trying to get Miles Turner off the Pacers for a long time. Um, I, I forget who I even offered for him in some midseason 
uh, trade scenarios in, in a different trade article, but I know I desperately want this guy. Tell me what um, – the one I threw out there was Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb for Buddy and Nemanja Bielica. If you have an adjustment to that or whatever, tell me what you you know about them. Because I know you've been been talking to Pacers, writers and stuff, trying to get a deal like this uh, cleared and, and see if it would work. Yeah, I think Miles Turner, of any like player that we've targeted between any of our trades that we've all talked about privately and publicly, I think Miles Turner is the best result. He's 24, I want to say, 23 or 20. I think he'll be 24 next year. He's just turned 24, I don't remember. Um, shot blocker, four spacer. Um, so, I mean, we've always talked about Marvin Bagley. He needs a shot blocker, a rim protector, and a four spacer with him. That's exactly what Miles Turner has done in his career. Um, his contract is, is relatively acceptable. It's not crazy expensive. And I, I spoke to a Pacers writer um, very unofficially a, while, a couple of days ago, and he said he thought that the, the Pacers would be interested in the You know, they tend to go with a three-guard lineup a lot with the Holiday Brothers. Um, so he, he felt that the Pacers, you know, Turner has kind of a little bit worn out his welcome in Indiana, especially with the with the emergence of Sabonis. So he's he's kind of worn out his welcome, and they probably just need to change things up. You mentioned it, Rich. They're down, I think, 3-0 right now. So they need to change things up around Oladipo anyway and Sabonis. So I think this would give them an elite shooter um, around Oladipo and kind of just change things up for their team. If we can get Miles Turner... The other, the other um, peripheral things around the trade, Jeremy Lamb would be a great get for Sacramento. I really like his play. But if the basics of the deal uh, was Miles Turner for Buddy Heald and whatever else went around that, um, I would be I would be extremely stoked. Uh, Brendan, would you be excited for Miles Turner as well? Yeah, I'd be really happy with this. Um, I, I do like the idea of Turner, and I've been very up and down on him for a while. I was just – completely enamored with him and thought that he was going to be the perfect center in the NBA. And he fits that. Um, but, you know, the perfect center in the NBA is still just a role player for the most part. I mean, obviously out discounting uh, superstars there. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's an okay deal, but, you know, uh, 17 and a half million um, on, on his contract, it just, it's a little bit of money. I, I do really like Turner. Don't get me wrong. I think that'd be something you're really getting back uh, well for healed here. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just uh, – I've been questioning if I've been overrating Turner recently, um, especially seeing, you know, them potentially leaning Sabonis over Turner. And I think it's also fair to point out that while Indiana has been unsuccessful, they've – you know, Oladipo's come back from injury, and I think they could uh, discount it or count it towards uh, – Sabonis not being on the floor, so I do like this um, for Sacramento. I hesitate to believe that Indiana would like this from their point of view, but I could see the logic here. Um, I definitely like it better than the Philadelphia trades you're working with here. Yeah, definitely. I wonder, do you think that like the team is in a good enough place where if you add a good piece the team can kind of catch up to that. Like, so like Miles is is good, and he's he's ready to he's ready to play now, ready to win now. Like, there are win now teams that would be very well served by adding Miles Turner. But do you think we're losing any time with him? Like, 
you know, if he comes for healed in this team, I mean, this team maybe gets better, but probably not enough better, right, to where the next few seasons are really super valuable. That's interesting. So it could just, like, not impact winning, and then he's gone by the end of the contract anyways. I'm just thinking in terms of, like, would you rather have a pick? Yeah, I think I would. I mean, because you have that pick for much longer than, obviously, you'd have Turner there. And while Turner does have, like, that clear um, talent protecting the rim, and Sacramento is just horrendous at that, I I would value a pick more. I mean, it depends on the range that you're talking, but for how long that you're likely to have that pick for, um, I, I would probably value a pick more. You're in the same boat. If the pick is in the mid to late teens in the 2020 draft, you know, not a super strong draft, I'm probably favoring that, like an 18-19. If it's a later first-round pick, I, I'm valuing Turner more than that. Um, I think Turner can really help, help Bagley grow, which is key here, right? It, Bag, I think for the Kings to really get good, if I'm just being honest, Bagley has to become something because there's not really another path to the second star unless they get lucky in the draft. They're not they're not trading for a superstar to sit next to De'Aaron Fox. They either have to get lucky in the draft or that has to be Marvin Bagley. So Miles Turner for the next three seasons is going to be a really good partner for Marvin Bagley, even though Miles Turner, you mentioned Brendan, he's, he's really a, a good role player. Marvin Bagley needs a good role player next to him that can space the floor and protect the rim. So, yeah, a, a good pick I'm going to value over Turner, but anything outside like the, the mid to late teens, I'm probably taking Turner over the pick. Yeah, tough uh, tough call. It definitely depends on where the pick would be. Um, yeah, so let's go to another one here. Uh, everyone is going to love this one. The Orlando Magic, everybody at the Kings Herald has wanted Aaron Gordon for a really long time, for whoever, whatever. I think there's we've you know we've discussed him in a million scenarios, but if Buddy Hill's outgoing, the salary's close enough, I believe, to match. Maybe you got to throw in a, a piece, you know, whatever that could be cut essentially. But um, straight up, Buddy Hill for Aaron Gordon. Do you take this deal, Brendan? Yeah, I, I ranked all of yours here, and I, I slightly thought this was worse than the Miles Turner Jeremy Lamb return. Um, I, I just I, I think that Turner is a valuable, you know, a three and D center. I think that since we were really looking for that for Bagley, it made me realize that that's not as common as I really thought it was. Um, so I, I think I like the Turner one a bit better here, but. I still think this is a decent return for Buddy Heald. I think at the beginning I kind of mentioned, you know, um, and you you definitely pointed it out in your piece that the reason this ha- this has a lot of logic to it for both teams with Sacramento having a little bit of that overlap at the shooting guard position and Orlando obviously having that same uh, clog at the power forward. So it makes a lot of sense for both sides. And, you know, maybe the idea is that there's some – a bit of untapped potential with Gordon if he got a bit of a bigger role. I think that he makes a lot of sense uh, in transition if you return to that a little bit. And he's a decent defender. I'm a little unsure on him there because I think at some point, kind of similarly to Turner, I probably overvalued uh, Gordon on the defensive end. But yeah, I think that he's probably a positive player on that end. And I like the idea of it. I like Turner a little bit better um, because I just tend to 
like that, like the player that Turner is. I think that you know what you're getting there, but there's potentially a little bit more untapped um, ceiling with Gordon that I see why that could intrigue you. And, you know, I will throw out that's the only NBA player I've ever seen in high school uh, being in San Jose. So I got a little bit of a hot spot, uh, soft spot for Aaron Gordon. So I, I don't hate this one. I, I think it's a decent return. What about yourself, Tim? Same here. Uh, I also like the Miles Turner trade a little bit more. I think Turner pairs better with Bagley. Gordon was an excellent defender coming out of college. That was actually one of his calling cards, um, aside from obviously his athleticism. Um, and then in, once he joined the league, he's been – He's been a little bit buddy healed throughout his whole career, and he's been miscast. They, you know, he's played small forward a bunch in his career, almost like 35 to 40% of his career minutes have come at small forward, and he's clearly not a small forward. The Magic just can't stop drafting and acquiring big men. Um, so I think in that aspect, you're right. He's been miscast. He's been misused a little bit. So there's some potential there for him to grow as a full-time power forward. He's not going to spend really any time at the wing. He's not going to really spend any time at the center unless we're playing small ball. And as you mentioned as well, transition with De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, all those guys, Marvin Bagley, of course, um, he could really excel in that realm as, as well. So I like this trade. Um, his pairing with Marvin Bagley offensively scares me a bit. Neither player really plays the pick and roll. Neither player spaces the floor. Gordon had one season where he shot 34%. I guess two seasons where he shot 34% from three, but he's not really spacing the floor at all, although he tends to think he's a floor spacer. So similar to what you said, Brendan, I'm okay with this trade. It's not as good as the Turner trade, but I like it more than the Philly trades as well. Um, Rich, how are you doing? Yeah, you're, you're good. You're you're making a good point with the Bagley um, pairing. It's not great. Uh, they're pretty similar players as far as, like, just relying on athleticism rather than, you know, the pick and roll or being real anchors on defense or real shooters. But I think it's okay to have two of those guys if, like, both of them are able to hit whatever, like, 33% from deep and both of them are able to be, you know, threats flashing to the basket at any given time and both of them are, like, decent uh, defenders, you know what I mean? It's like it's okay, um, and I, but I think Gordon would pair decently well with Barnes um, or Holmes. Like those lineups, I think work okay. So he's not like the dream fit of a Miles Turner, but I, I think he he pairs well enough with kind of anybody anybody else on the roster. So yeah, yeah, I I would do this deal. To go back to your like question you had with Turner, I, I would prefer a draft pick over Gordon too because both of these guys, while you know I think of them as pretty young prospects for a team that you know your two core guys moving forward are 22 and 20 in Fox and Bagley, a 24 year old um, in both of these guys is still up there a little bit. While it is like an improvement from Heald, um, I, I think that I would value getting a little younger. Gordon turns 25 next month, so he's not even. You know, he'll be 24 for a very short time. And, you know, to be honest with you, like, I'll get to this later, but, yeah, I'll get to this later. But but the Miles Turner-Gordon thing, like, even if we would do these deals, I'm not convinced that these other teams would do these. They're, it, they're close enough to where I can write it up and we can discuss it, and it's not ridiculous, you know what I mean? But I, there's also... I don't know that we can make tremendous arguments. Like, we can get lucky and say, okay, well, the Magic need more guards. They need more shooting. 
they can get lucky and say we can hope we get lucky and the Pacers say we need to kind of blow this up. We need we don't need two centers. Um, you know, we need another guard. But it's like these are not overwhelming. Like op- these are not options available. I I do think we'd get a little lucky. These might be better players on better deals than Buddy Hill. Totally. I I think that yeah I mentioned a little bit with the Indiana one. I don't know if. Uh, they would pull the trigger on that. You know, you hear Aaron Gordon's name floated around for the second pick even uh, going to Golden State and things like that. So you do have a good point where, you know, if these teams felt desperate to move on from these guys, they probably could do better from than Heald. Um, I wouldn't be absolutely shocked to see these happen, but I would be hesitant if I was Indiana or Orlando here. By yourself, Tim. Yes, and Orlando especially um... – with the Jonathan Isaac injury, you know, he's going to be out for a, a long time. And while they have the, a big man glut, Isaac's out. Bamba has not really performed, and he's been hurt. So they don't have – and they also have, from a guard level, they have Fultz, they have Fournier, who I assume is going to opt in, and they have Terrence Ross. So um, they're not necessarily desperate for – I know Fultz is more of a combo guard, point guard, but they're not necessarily desperate for shooting guards either. So I, I think that's a really, really astute point, Rich, is that Neither of these teams necessarily going to be hunting for Buddy Heald. I think we're going to be potentially hunting these guys and hoping that one of these teams. Yeah, and one other just quick note on Orlando. I think the Isaac thing definitely put a damper on on our hopes for for that Orlando trade to make sense. But I will point out someone brought this up to me that uh, I believe it's Chuma Okeke. Uh, uh, yeah, Chuma Okeke. Kiki, yeah, Auburn um, kid. Yeah, he he's. It was really a strange situation where I, be, I believe he went to the G League right away as the fifth as the fifteenth overall pick, sixteenth overall pick, like right outside the lottery. Went straight to the G League, but he's going to be joining the Magic this season. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe if he's able to hold down that spot enough, where they want to give him a lot of minutes in the league. Maybe that's not as big. I just totally forgot about him because, well, he's never been in the NBA. But it's a little more depth, like even more depth than we think about with the Magic in the front court. But let's move on to another team, another trade. Um, this one is – I'll be straight up with you. This is the one that I think makes the most sense. And it's weird because I've heard other people say this one makes the least sense. So I'll get your temperature on it. But, yeah, Brendan, what do you think about the Dallas Dallas Mavericks giving up pick number 18 and then matching salary in Tim Hardaway Jr. for Buddy Heald? So this was really interesting to me when I saw this on your piece. Um, I mean, a little bit has to do with, like, I know that mainly what you're getting back is is this pick, I feel like, that asset. Um, but Tim Hardaway Jr. actually turned himself into a really nice role player this year. Like, he became a little bit of a 3 and D guy with, like, a loose uh, a loose use of that uh, of the defense there. But, yeah, I mean, legitimately one of the best three-point shooters in the league this year. And, you know, maybe it's an outlier year because you have Luka setting you up and you're getting a lot of open looks. But 39.8%, practically 40% on 7.2 attempts. And – you know, you do also have to account, like, Carlisle's one of the best coaches in the NBA and obviously really helped him there. I don't have the confidence that whatever uh, person is 
manning the coaching staff of Sacramento next year would be able to do that the same way. Um, but, I mean, I think this is a pretty good return. Like, I, I've really said a couple times I, I value a draft pick, and I think that, you know, you could get a decent shot at someone, 18, um, in this draft. And then again, from Dallas's point of view, I just don't – I don't know. Um, I think that they're an extremely young team also, even though they are winning now, or that young team, you know, being obviously around Porzingis and Doncic. Um, I, I don't know how I feel if Dallas would do this, but this was my favorite one of the trades that you mentioned because I think Hardaway is – a decent placeholder for Heald, and, you know, you could get some okay value at 18. Yeah, I, I like this trade in C. Um, the number 18, probably, you know, you can get yourself a, a, a Kyrie Lewis Jr. or a Tyrese Maxey maybe or, or someone in, in that realm, which is going to be a solid player, I think, in the NBA. Um, and I, I like Tim Hardaway Jr. as well. Uh, he's when he signed with New York, everyone kind of laughed at the contract a little bit, and it wasn't a great contract, and then he really played well for the last couple of seasons, especially this year. He's expiring, so that gives the, the Kings a lot of financial relief, both from an ownership COVID situation and from a future cap situation, especially with uh, Bogdanovich probably getting resigned. Of course, Darren Fox's five-year max upcoming, unless anything drastic changes. Um, from from a realism standpoint, not for, not so much from the Mavericks standpoint, but something I've been questioning myself about with the trade. Because I think Rich and I talked about this a while back. This idea: um, Do the Kings are the Kings going to be willing to probably make the Mavericks better when the Mavericks have done nothing but embarrass them for the last two years? Right? Like every time Luca plays well, <laughs> they just get the Kings get trashed on Twitter. Not just from Kings fans, not just from us, but from national media. I mean, Adam Schefter was tweeting, tweeting about it last night, just tonight, right? Like. <laughs> They just get murdered, and I, I, I wonder if from just an organizational reputation standpoint, if they can swallow, hey, Buddy Hill's probably going to make them better, might make them, you know, a top four seed in the West next year, and can we handle watching Buddy Hield and Luka Doncic ex- excel in the league together? I just, I don't know, and maybe I'm just reading too much in the situation, which I might be crazy here, but I feel like that might be a hesitation. I, I, I wonder, I mean, it's a good it's a good point. Um, it's a it's a funny point, and it, it's also I've also I like to point out how the Mavericks are like the team GM'd by Bryant West because they've done they've like made every pick and every trade that Bryant exactly would have done. They're like the bizarro world kings uh, for Bryant West, um, but. I do think that changing GMs probably takes the sting out of that. Where like maybe Vlade would have been like, I can't, I can't be embarrassed again by these these folks. Uh, maybe a new GM doesn't care about that. I also think there's like a concept of let's just this is for myself. If I was in charge, I'm like, let's have this one team embarrass us instead of every team embarrass us. <laughs> Um, like well, well, yes, we will absolutely get crushed every time we play the Mavericks. We basically have to put our heads on the ground and hide in the hole every time we see the Mavericks. But uh, maybe we can actually like face the rest of the league with our our heads held high. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, I want to also get to that point that you brought up, Brandon, about Tim Hardaway Jr. shooting so well on such good volume this season. 
definitely an outlier. Um, just looking at his entire career before that, he was a 34% shooter from three. Definitely an outlier, but also, like, here's the real crux of, of Hield's value. Like, it's not the fact that there's tension or chemistry issues or unhappiness. That's not the real problem, in my opinion. It's not that this contract is – well, it's not that um, – you know, he can't work with Bogdanovich. It's nothing internal that's, like, the real problem with this, with his value. To me, the real problem with this, with moving Buddy Heald is I don't know how special being a great shooter and nothing else is anymore. Like, when Tim Hardaway Jr. can walk onto a good team with a good coach and a good game plan and shoot nearly 40% on seven and a half threes a game, like, how valuable is it really that you crank that up by like a couple extra shots a game on a similar, like, I'm just saying, like, I don't know that this is that rare anymore. We talked about Beasley. We talked about Joe Harris. Like we talked about Luke Kennard. We talked like we, like you can kind of just find that guy. Like you can kind of just find that guy. It's it's not necessarily easy, but it doesn't cost you, it doesn't cost you 86 million. Right. Right. I, it, it is interesting because I think we've seen shooting develop from guys uh, more recently. Like Duncan Robinson, prime example. Um, with that pick 18, who's to say you can't get a decent shooter to fill that role a little bit there? Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if your view is of Heald as a guy that really just kind of shoots threes, and that's about it, which I think is somewhat fair. Um, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that you could get another guy for – less value and and my little two cents on Tim's thing of, you know, would the front office be hesitant to deal with Dallas? Um, I don't know if they would, but I don't think they should because to me, like where you're at right now, you're not going to catch Dallas no matter what as messed up as that that sounds, unless you just find gold in the draft or something like that. Like they have a, what's likely going to be a perennial perennial MVP candidate. Like you're not going to catch them no matter what to me right now. Um, so I, maybe, maybe it does matter to them, but I don't think it should. Um, and yeah, I, I do, I do agree with your, with your point, right? Like I don't, that's why I'm hesitant, you know, would Dallas really pull the trigger here? Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. My only pushback a little bit, Rich, on, on your point with the other players, and I don't know. I have no evidence of this either way, so I'm just throwing out a question irresponsibly. Um, does does Buddy Heald have more gravity than those other players? Not necessarily Joe Harris, but a Malik Beasley or, or some of the other guys, but even, even Hardaway Jr. You know, Buddy Heald attracts a lot of attention on defense or on offense to the defense, and I don't know if those other guys have that same gravity. I don't know that they don't either, but that may be something that the Mavericks look at you know, when Buddy Hield catches the ball at the three-point line, teams go after him. 
Um, and that may not necessarily have the same effect as some other players. So maybe that opens up the lane a little bit more for Luca, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my only pushback is even if someone's shooting nearly as well, I just don't know if they have the same player reputation as Heal. They might, and I could be completely wrong with that point. Also, I, yeah, I mean, like, they kind of have – isn't Seth Curry kind of that guy? You know, and I, I guess you could have more than one of them. It wouldn't hurt, but, like, Curry's kind of that guy on a way better deal too in a way, right? Yeah. We let him go for Matt Barnes for 53 games in Matt Barnes. That's a story for another day. Well, well, that's like, yeah. So, I mean, you're definitely you're, – you're, the answer to your question, Tim, is yes. Like, he, Buddy Hill is a better shooter than those guys and has more gravity. It's, but the question is by how much. And then, and then the question of, like, that difference, how much is that difference worth? And while I think this is my favorite deal because – it makes sense from a uh, like a, a the value standpoint. A later first round pick, mid first round pick, that feels right, just like in my gut. And and what really cemented it for me was talking to I, I sent messages to numerous different Mavericks writers, and they all came back and said, "This is an easy yes. We would do this deal." Where no one else was doing that, like. I like no one really else like only wanted healed, but that it seems like yeah he they do have a Seth Curry they do have a THJ and if Carlisle can really excel at that type of player screw it like we would be all the way in on healed and it doesn't quite seem like they have the space to go get another max guy anytime soon they're kind of you know what I mean so it's it's one where. I could just see it, and it's it's not too far off uh, on, on any different aspect. But um, I got my last one here, uh, and then I think Tim has some for us. But my last one personally is a trade to the New York Knicks, and I don't even need to get into what it is, but it's basically just like I call it a grab uh, a grab bag. It is. It's just little bits and pieces, whatever whatever you got lying around. You got a Frank Nilakina, uh, you got a Dennis Smith Jr., you got a pick 27. You got uh, – even Kevin Knox might be might be too much, according to uh, Jonathan Macri, right, who we talked a couple episodes ago. Like, would – you know, you got, like, bits and pieces laying around. You got all the cap space in the world. You know, if we can't get someone else done, do we just take whatever – Whatever pieces you got. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. I, I think that it is young guys. Like, I, I wanted, you know, in a move from heel to return some young guys, and Knox is probably the main guy that interests me. Um, you know, admittedly didn't watch that much Knicks, but my impression was that he was pretty bad this year. But, you know, I guess – potential to possibly be unlocked there um and just got a nice frame to him and but yeah hasn't panned out I don't have all too much interest like as much as I think Neil Aquino would be a really fun guy we would we would root for a lot it's kind of a backup point guard which you know I guess the team needs to fill that role um he could fill the, the Kojo role but yeah and then pick 27 I mean I like that you're getting a pick in return um I, I do I, – I don't know. I think that there's a chance that one of these pans out, and that's kind of your idea here. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't 
I, I don't mind this one. I think that I, I get your logic behind it, and you know, if one of the guys pans out, this could look up. This could end up looking decent for you. I uh, I hate this deal. Is it okay to say I I I would hate it if the Kings did this deal. I don't hate the idea of it. I understand the idea of it, but I don't think Kevin Knox is very good. Second year regression, severe regression is usually a bad sign, um, especially for a wing who can't shoot. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. looks like the flame out. Nina Kina was shopped for reportedly shopped for a second round pick last trade deadline or something along those lines, and then pick number twenty seven. I mean, it's like super super late first rounders are kind of like the worst draft pick because you've got a four year or three year guarantee for someone who probably should have gone in the second round. So this this deal is just kind of that traditional like platter of okay assets that you hope one turns out but I, I of all the deals maybe besides the Harris one I just I would be so unenthused by this deal maybe maybe it's a smart play in the long run especially because you're saving a bunch of money but I feel like none of these guys are going to turn out including pick number 27 to be like above average players and I really need an above average player for if I can cash out healed if I can like a Turner or a Gordon or you know the number 18 so this deal doesn't does not excite me at all. Um, I feel like Brendan and I are a little bit on opposite ends of the spectrum here. So, Rich, where do you fall? So, I think that maybe it's about how you're looking at what he is in terms of his contract. Because, you know, you said you need an above average player back. I'm not sure you're gonna get that, man. Like, uh, just, like it's it's more of a practical thing than I don't like this deal either. I don't like – honestly, I don't like most of these deals. But I also think I'd be damn lucky to get any of them. Like, I, I think, like, even that 18th pick, I could easily see Dallas being like, oh, you want Buddy Heald for, you know, when we could get, you know, Kyra Lew- uh, Kira Lewis, when we could get uh, Sadiq Bay, perhaps, like, on, on a four-year deal at, like, nothing, and then, it's, and then restricted rights and we could resign him. If he, if it becomes a good player, perhaps even like you know a starting level player, you're out of your you're out of your mind. We're not going to give 86 million dollars to Buddy Heald, who like when THJ might be better, who we didn't even want. Like I, I think like his value might be horrific right now. I think that especially with the coronavirus situation, this is essentially a dump. You know, like yeah, I, you're sneaking in pick 27 here. So you can say you traded him for a first-round pick, and that's nice. But this is essentially a salary dump, and I think that it it's honestly, like, realistic to say, hey, we might want to salary dump him. And I know that's crazy, but if you're talking about the, the way – in terms of the macro discussion we had before this and what we wanted in the long run, you know, long-term focused – uh, we want we want some assets, but we're looking in the in the the long view here. You can get you could make this deal and have nothing on your books next after this upcoming season. You could have your books clean. Say you don't like DSJ, you don't like Nilakina, you don't like Knox. Give them a shot. They're all former top ten picks. Give them one year shot. They're still all twenty three years old or younger, twenty two years old or younger. You give them shots, and if they don't work out, great. We've got nothing on the books now, and we got this. But we got a first-round draft pick here that we were able to choose ourselves. In all honesty, like this deal, even I think is 
too nice, too optimistic. I don't think you're getting this deal. I don't think that, quite frankly, like that's where I'm at with. But like, I don't think you're getting any of these deals. Let me let me let me kind of clarify. When I said I wanted an above average player, what I mean, I guess I should have said that better. I want a shot at an above average player. So like I think Miles Turner is an an above average player. I think Aaron Gordon is an above average player. I think Tobias Harris is an above average player. And then I look at the other deals of. you know, my deal with Al Horford, I'm getting the pick 21. I think you've got a shot and an above-average player with 21 and Zaire Smith. Um, I think with, uh, you know, obviously the Dallas deal, you're getting a, a decent player and a shot and an above-average player. And I agree with you here that I don't think the Knicks would give up all these pieces. I don't think you're getting DSJ and Knox and Neely Kina and number 27. I don't think you're getting that whole package. I think you're probably removing DSJ or maybe 27, one of those two. I'm not even sure you're getting Knox for Heald. Um, but – Particularly with with these particular players, I don't believe in any of them the long term uh, potential in the league. I guess you could say so. That's that's where for me, like I understand the 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 concept of the trade. I just don't like any of these players, so I I wouldn't execute this deal in the matter that I don't think any of these guys are going to be any good. Um, well, but well, I am, but, just to go back to the Philly thing, like you you referred to like pick twenty one as a shot at a decent player. Like why isn't pick twenty seven a shot at a decent player? I mean that's. That's significantly later, right? That's six picks later in a thirty. Not really. Like in just in terms of how drafts normally pan out and the ex, the expected return, it's not like significantly better chance to get an all star at twenty one than twenty seven. Like you're looking at roughly, you know, maybe a few percentage points drop, but like yeah, you've got a you've absolutely got a chance. Like we don't even know who's going at those picks. For sure, I I, I think I disagree on on the value of those picks. I think twenty one is better value than 27 and I would rather have Smith than I don't know if I'd rather have Smith than Knox but I, I do think and, and um, you're having to deal with Horford's contract like I no, think that, sure. I think it's a better deal point. than the Horford thing yeah I I, I won't I disagree but I, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that for sure yeah and uh, Tim do you have potentially some other ones that you maybe want to lay out here yeah, so what I did uh, this afternoon after we, after we talked about this is I just kind of threw together – I tried to find a couple of trades. I feel like a lot of Kings Twitter has talked about definitely Philly, a little bit Dallas, some New York. So I feel like we've, we've talked about these a lot. So I tried to find a couple others that we haven't necessarily discussed. I don't, I don't want to say I like either of these deals or that I think either of these deals will happen, but I just want to bring up a couple of different perspectives that, you know, if there's teams out there that maybe want healed that um, we described earlier, they, they kind of want to win now. So the first one, you're both going to hate. And I don't like it, but I could see the Kings doing it. Uh, Sacramento gets Danny Green, Quinn Cook, and Kyle Kuzma for Buddy Heald. I weirdly don't hate it. Like, I, I mean, like, Kuzma's jump probably is what's doing it for me a little bit here, but... What jump? I hate this. I hate Kyle Kuzma. What are you talking about? What jump? I hate, I hate Kyle Kuzma, too. I don't know. I, 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 like, came around to his defense a little bit here, and he's, I don't know, he is older than what I was thinking sitting hey, at 25 hey, here. Save it for Kuzma Pulse. Oh, yeah, okay. All of a sudden, I'm a big Kuzma guy. This is, <laughs> all of a sudden, this is another Austin Rivers situation. Oh, no, I, I mean, yeah, I don't like it as much as, you know, a Miles Turner or Aaron Gordon, or it's probably on the same level of, like, I, I like it better than either of the Philly ones, but, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I came around to Kuzma a little bit more than I did before, um, but he's still a little older, so. Eh. Yeah, I, I think Kyle Kuzma is one of the most overrated players in the league. 
Um, okay, the other one, which was I thought was really interesting to me, um, I don't really like it either, but going to Memphis, because maybe they want to push since they had that eight seed and lost it, Dylan Brooks and Gorgie Jane for Buddy Heald. Um, I've seen some Memphis bloggers throwing out trades that are uh, slightly different to this. It's it's Gorgie, Gorgie Jing and a future first-round pick. So I'll just say I think that probably makes more sense because I think they want to get better now, which is weird, but I think that they're really trying to, like, cement themselves as that eight seed if possible. And I think they like Dylan Brooks personally. Um, so i throw that out there. Yeah, I'm not the biggest. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about Brooks. He's a little bit of a chucker and um, not the biggest fan of him defensively either. I, I like the idea of a pick a little better, um, probably on the same level of, you know, I, I of this Laker one, I guess. I probably like the Laker one a little better. And, again, um, the only ones I probably feel better – than um, of the ones we mentioned with these two is the Sixers ones. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily love this trade either. I was thinking Brooks kind of had an up-and-down performance in the bubble for sure, and he's, like you said, Brendan, he's a chucker a little bit, and I think he's a better player than Brooks. Brooks is obviously younger, and he's only making like $34 million for the next three years or something like that. But, yeah, if they got a pick in, in, in Jang, and that was kind of the deal, I, I wouldn't be – Super mad at that, but I, again, I don't. I don't really like either of those deals. But that's those are two things that I hadn't really seen floating about that I kind of came up with. But um, I think the THJ deal is my favorite. Tim Hardaway Jr. and then following that, Aaron Gordon, Miles Turner for sure. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna look up because um, I saw Grizzly Bear Blues had like tweeted uh, a trade for Buddy, so I'm gonna look that up while you discuss that, Brennan. Yeah, I was going to bring up the the idea that we saw floated around by by Bill Simmons and some other guys that, you know, Atlanta should consider moving the – what pick did they end up at? Six? Six, yeah. For, for yield, and that's just ridiculous to me. Like, I, I don't – I don't get why Atlanta would do that. If if they're willing to, like 100% Sargon should pull the trigger on that. But to me, it just makes it makes no sense. Like Atlanta, like I fell in love with a Halliburton fit there. Um, but there's going to be a decent amount of guys. Like it's not. I again, I don't think it's crazy. You get the best player in this draft at six. Um, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I've seen that float around. I saw King's Twitter on it for a little while. Um, I would be in love with it. I think you guys are the same way. But I just don't think Atlanta does that. The only way Atlanta does that if is, is if they hired Bobby Kimok as their GM, right? <laughs> and the idea is, like, you know, what are they going to do with their cap space? Um, Heald could very well be a better player than anyone they get at six, but they also could get someone that's to probably, I feel like, significantly a step higher than Heald. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't see it. it. It didn't make any sense to me, I guess. I mean, Bill Simmons just kind of says stuff. And I, that's not too dissimilar to what I do and what you do. We all just say stuff, but that's a, that was that's a pretty wild one. I mean, the fact that it was like, oh yeah, I like this from Atlanta's point of view. Like, oh really? Like the only version of that trade I could like, I don't see this happening at all by any means. But like value wise, it'd be like healed in twelve for six, right? Like maybe Atlanta moves back to get a starting caliber shooter, but yeah, I definitely don't see heel four six straight up. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if, if, if that happened, 
whoever our new GM is, I will love them forever, but I just don't think that's realistic. Yeah, I actually talked to someone, uh, a Hawks draft guy, um, just looking up this exact conversation, but um, he said he didn't think that would be absurd. Um, he, he thought it would be absurd to give up six straight up, but he said he he said something like Herder and six for Buddy and twelve. He would he would entertain. I would do that. Yeah, I mean, I probably would consider it too. And yeah, I threw the question to a Hawks cover as well, and quote was, "I don't hate it because he's probably better than anyone they get a six. I just don't know if I agree with that." Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I was surprised to see Hawks fans not hating it. And yeah, then then that kind of that conversation kind of evolved into what they could do with that money, and then we started talking about that's where I got those names of like. Why not just if we want to spend twenty million on a shooter, we could just you know spend twelve on Joe Har- fifteen on Joe Harris, like twelve on Luke Beasley, or something like that. Just where, right? And then keep the six pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's probably just a little bit of desperation since, from their point of view, since the Hawks were the worst three point shooting team in the league last year. But yeah, I, I mean, I I agree with you there, Rich. I just don't, I, I don't think it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's better guys that you could get for cheaper for sure with that money. So I'll just circle back around to Memphis one last time because I found their uh, their proposition here. Uh, it is Gorgie Jang, Grayson Allen, twenty twenty two first round pick, lottery protected, and a couple of seconds. I don't like the lottery protection. Yeah, I'm, like, if they executed that trade, I mean, it, it's fine, I guess. It's it's not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. But, you know, a lot of protected for a potential lotto team. I would have to see how those protections dropped the next year. I know we're all just – it's all hypothetical, but if that dropped, like, top three protected or top one protected the next season, that makes it a lot more palatable. But, yeah, that's not – there's a lot better – I shouldn't say there are a lot better deals. There could be potentially better deals than that one. But you're getting a pick that could be, you know, teens. That's not terrible. Yeah, I think the best case scenario, I don't have one favorite that I would choose necessarily, but like the best case scenario I think is something like a matching salary and a pick in the second half of the first round. So, like, Anything from pick 16 to 30 and, you know, some some form of matching salary in terms of some form of functional placeholder, um, that's kind of where I think we're looking. I would say 16 to 26, so I can not include your New York picks. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we can wrap up with, like, what our favorite deal of the ones mentioned today. Um, maybe we'll be in agreement with with uh, between a few of us but for me it was definitely the the Dallas pick or the Dallas uh swap I think that you know you're getting the best draft pick out of that and obviously that assuming you don't draft some guy that's been in college for four years which Sacramento probably shouldn't um you get a young potential upside player there and Hardaway Jr. is a slight placeholder for one year um yeah since I'm really valuing 
young pieces moving forward, that graphic stood out to me, and the Dallas one was my favorite one there. What about yourself, Tim? Yeah, I would say Dallas number one, with Indiana being a close second, and then uh, probably Orlando being a distant third. Are you kind of in the same boat, Rich? Yeah, that works. I think that you got to extend your range at the 27. Um, I refuse. Well, it's weird that you would build a fake trade for Kyle Kuzma, who was picked 27 a couple of years ago, and then refused to <laughs> accept pick 27. Just remember, I didn't like that trade. I just wanted to put that out there. So mm-hmm. Brendan is in love with Kyle Kuzma. Oh, right here. Well, we, we go. know that. We hey, know by that. the way, Austin Rivers and Dennis Schroeder have been balling. Just, just so we know. Your style <laughs> and your Taste is atrocious, my friend. I actually think it's so funny that Rivers has been going crazy. Anyways, anyways. Wait, no, no, let's talk about T.J. Warren then if we're going to bring up guys. That's crazy. fair enough. Fair enough. No. And then we can just all talk about Luka Doncic. There you go. Or not. So then I'll cry myself yeah. to sleep. Yeah, we also couldn't. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, um, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Sacramento was faced with a situation where they had to move on from heel this coming off season. And, you know, I think that more than likely, if that is the case, Kings fans are, Kings fans are going to be disappointed with the return. Um, you mentioned it in your piece, Rich, like having seen what Heald is capable of, but his values just, I, I debatably somewhat, um, but his value is probably in the gutter right now. Um and yeah, so I, I wouldn't be all too surprised to see Heald moved on from this off season and I, I like picking Bogdanovich over Heald if that's what it came down to. Um yeah, so maybe this is a conversation that we're having. Um I got my dates all weird with uh the season funky, but I think it's October or something like that, right? If it sticks, yeah, might get, get delayed. Well yeah, um Unless uh, you got anything else here, Rich, I think uh, that's going to do it, right? Yeah, that's it, man. Um, it's it's funny. We'll, we'll never uh, – not never. We won't know how this is going to end up until, yeah, months from now. We, You know, he can't be traded before then. We don't know who's even going to make a trade. If the trade does happen, we don't know who will be in charge. So, you know, crazy amount of speculation here, but always – I think an informative topic, trade value. So it's going to help us really figure out where he's at. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it, getting anything anything compare, anything that is comparable to what we thought we had in Buddy last season, like if you think about, you know, who, who we thought he was at the end of last season, I, that's not what we're getting back in value for him now. So a little bit depressing, but that, that's all for me today. Yeah, and briefly I'll come back to, I mean, I think that whether healed ass out or not, this team needs to get younger and build around Fox. Um, but, you know, you'll hear, uh, I'll definitely keep writing about that, and I'm sure all the guys at King's Herald, whether they agree or disagree, will be giving their opinions and covering all the uh, news and throwing out ideas for the Kings throughout this off season and with the draft coming up and everything like that. So definitely... Check out their page regularly, support, uh, check out their Patreon to support local Kings coverage. And thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. You hear from us again in the next couple of days.
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.